Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20-Minute Books, we delve into the gripping pages of Fukushima, a comprehensive analysis of an unprecedented catastrophe that highlights the confluence of natural disaster, human error, and political missteps. Written by experts from the Union of Concerned Scientists, this book dissects the events leading up to, during, and following one of Japan's most devastating tsunamis, which precipitated the worst nuclear crisis since Chernobyl. With the insider knowledge of David Lockbaum, director of the Nuclear Safety Project and one of the United States' foremost nuclear experts, the critical expertise of Edwin Lyman, a senior scientist focused on global security issues, and the investigative prowess of Susan Q. Stranahan, an award-winning journalist with a history of work in environmental and energy issues, this book serves as a cautionary tale that challenges the perceived safety of nuclear energy. Fukushima is an essential read for anyone who maintains that nuclear power is entirely without risk, or for those seeking to understand the depth and implications of the Fukushima disaster. It offers a potent blend of scientific analysis and real-world impact, a narrative enriched by decades of experience from its authors. Join us as we explore this extraordinary account of a crisis that has reshaped our understanding of nuclear safety and the dangers when preparations fall short in the face of nature's immense power. The Fukushima, the story of a nuclear disaster. Introduction. Uncover the truth behind the Fukushima catastrophe. Imagine the earth trembling, buildings swaying, and an unstoppable wave surging toward the coast. This was the terrifying reality on March 11, 2011, when one of the most powerful earthquakes to ever strike unleashed a colossal tsunami upon Japan. The natural disasters were catastrophic alone, but they were just the precursor to an even greater calamity. The meltdown at the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant. In the wake of the tsunami, the Fukushima plant was engulfed by the ocean's fury, triggering a series of events that led to one of the worst nuclear disasters in history. Even though a decade has passed, the shadow of Fukushima still looms large. Questions persist. How did state-of-the-art safety systems crumble so easily? Did the lessons of past nuclear nightmares, such as Chernobyl, go unheeded? And what measures are necessary to safeguard against future nuclear tragedies? Delving into the specifics of the Fukushima failure, the following narration will lay bare the breakdowns that occurred, scrutinize Japan's response, and consider whether similar dangers lurk elsewhere, potentially threatening global safety. What if you knew something was terribly wrong, but your warnings fell on deaf ears? This was the chilling experience of an inspector at the Fukushima plant. Upon discovering a critical crack, a stark omen of potential disaster, the individual sounded the alarm, only to be muffled by those with power. The voices of caution were hushed, and the cracks in the Fukushima plant would later expand into chasms of crisis. Tracing the course of the meltdown, is reminiscent of piecing together a crime scene, where every clue unearths another level of wrongdoing. How did the emergency precautions, designed to be infallible, fail in the hour of direst need? 
implementing layers of backup systems surely should have averted calamity, yet the onslaught of water washed away these technological bulwarks. The chilling reality extends beyond Japan's shores. In the United States, warnings suggest that the diligence in monitoring nuclear plants might not be as rigorous as the public is led to believe. It stirs a disquieting thought. Are American citizens truly protected from the kind of mechanical and human errors that precipitated Fukushima's descent into disaster? Throughout this exploration, we will uncover hard truths and missed opportunities, seeking answers and accountability in the fallout of Fukushima. Let's piece together this complex tale of human error, natural power, and the urgent lessons that, even now, we struggle to grasp and act upon. Part 1 a catastrophic quake and tsunami set the stage for a nuclear meltdown. On the 11th of March 2011, Japan was shaken to its core by an earth-shattering quake, one that would leave an indelible scar on the nation's history. It wasn't just a tremor to be recorded in the annals of seismology. This was a disaster of epic proportions. Long ago, Japanese folklore spoke of a mythical catfish whose thrashing caused the earth to tremble. Now, far removed from myth and steeped in scientific precision, Japan's grasp of seismic activities is one of the most advanced in the world. Yet, the strength of the quake that day surpassed even their highest technological forecasts. Rising from the Pacific's depths about 40 miles off Japan's picturesque coastline, two massive tectonic plates collided, a subduction that released a force so tremendous it nudged the Earth's axis. This natural phenomenon wasn't only a testament to the planet's immense power, but also a somber prelude to disaster. In the aftermath of the devastating Kobe earthquake in 1995, Japan had dramatically enhanced its earthquake detection capabilities. An expansive network of sensors stood at the ready across the islands, the nation's ears to the ground, listening for the slightest quivers. When the monstrous 2011 quake struck, these sensors initially reported a 7.9 magnitude tremor, a figure that would soon prove to be a gross underestimation. In the ensuing days, it became clear the quake reached a magnitude of 9.0, making it not only the strongest ever recorded in Japan, but also one of the most significant globally. This quake released an energy 45 times more powerful than initially thought, and the repercussions were both immediate and far-reaching. Unleashed by the seismic upheaval, a tsunami of unfathomable ferocity followed, conquering all previous projections. Its energy was so robust that thousands of miles away, it still possessed the force to snap off a Manhattan-sized chunk of ice from the Antarctic's edge. The toll was heart-rending. Beyond the structural devastation, the human cost was profound with the disaster ultimately claiming over 18,000 lives. The Fukushima incident, as it was later called, stands as a grave reminder of nature's unpredictable might and the human race's enduring vulnerability. Part 2. Fukushima Daiichi. The nuclear plant that wasn't ready for a tsunami's fury. As the citizens of Japan scrambled for safety amid the rubble left by the tsunami's wrath, a looming nightmare emerged at the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant. The facility, despite its technological advances, was woefully unprepared for the onslaught it faced that fateful day. 
Just hours into the crisis, towering waves breached the coastal defenses and inundated the plant, severing its lifeline to electricity. This vital power wasn't just for lights or machinery. It was the heartbeat of the cooling systems designed to keep the nuclear reactors from overheating. Without it, the reactors would only have half an hour before their fuel began to melt, setting off a series of events that engineers dread, a meltdown. In the heart of the meltdown, a mixture forms that holds the fearsome potential to bore through steel barriers six inches thick. This corrosive sludge spells catastrophe, with the capability to breach the reactor and spew radioactive contamination far and wide into the environment. The deluge didn't stop at plunging the reactors into darkness. It also ravaged the emergency generators and locked the control room's instruments into silence. The operators were blind, with no means to gauge the terrifying processes now unleashed within the reactor's cores. Flawed from inception, the plant's emergency protocols were far from robust. During a meltdown, venting the system might be considered a desperate yet critical maneuver, having to purposely release some radioactivity to avert a reactor's explosion due to high pressure. However, the manual lacked crucial instructions on how to execute this venting when the electronic systems failed. Strikingly, the plant was equally deficient in basic communication capabilities. Standard procedure dictated that the plant should fax notifications to authorities and nearby municipalities during emergencies, yet the very tsunami that triggered the need for such alerts had snatched away the means to send them. In essence, Fukushima Daiichi stood as an ill-fated testament to underestimation and inadequate planning. As the world watched with bated breath, the gravity of the situation was clear. It was not just about restoring power or regaining control. It was about confronting the harrowing possibility that the plant's defenses might be too frail to shield both humanity and the environment from nuclear devastation. Part 3, Navigating the Chaos, the Battle for Accurate Information, Post-Disaster In the immediate aftermath of the tsunami, as chaos enveloped Japan, the public was thrust into a maelstrom of confusion and misinformation. As the waves receded, the hunger for reliable news surged, yet the people were met with silence and uncertainty. The country had in place the system for prediction of environmental emergency, DOE's information, known as Speedy, a sophisticated tool integrating meteorology and real-time nuclear plant data to forecast the movement and severity of radioactive emissions. However, with the cutoff power at Fukushima Daiichi, Speedy stood crippled, unable to draw on the very data that would drive its predictions. Questions like the scope of necessary evacuation zones remained frustratingly unanswered. But technical troubles weren't the only source of the public's information woes. A more insidious barrier to the truth was at play. Relationships too cozy for comfort between government agencies, traditional media, and the nuclear industry. Journalists who might have dug deeper, demanding accountability, were hamstrung by a culture where access was currency, and too much scrutiny could lead to its loss. A scathing report from the Investigation Committee on the Accident at the Fukushima nuclear power stations laid it bare. The government was clinging to valuable insights insisting they weren't yet verified. In their quest for accuracy, time ticked by, 
crucial moments that could have steered countless decisions, potentially altering the post-accident landscape. Amid these bouts of resistance to transparency, the government also shied away from labeling the crisis for what it truly was, a meltdown. Fearing public hysteria, officials skirted the term, opting for the vague and confusing fuel pellet melt. This choice of words did little to provide clarity or assuage fears at a time when clear, prompt communication was essential. In an era where information should flow freely, the citizenry found themselves adrift, piecing together scraps of data in a desperate attempt to understand the scale of the danger they faced. A stark reminder that, in the grip of a disaster, misinformation can be just as perilous as the event itself. Part 4. Nuclear Ambition versus Regulatory Shortfalls. A Dangerous Imbalance in Japan. In the race for energy independence following the devastation of World War II, Japan turned to nuclear power, a path that promised self-sufficiency, free from the complexities of foreign oil and gas. With fervor, Japan erected a forest of nuclear reactors at a pace unrivaled by any other nation. Yet, as the reactors multiplied, the mechanisms of oversight struggled to keep pace leaving a perilous chasm between energy generation and regulation. The intertwining of the nuclear industry with the halls of government has resulted in a regulatory landscape where impartiality stood compromised. In 2012, an expose by Asahi Shimbun shone a light on this troubling nexus of industry and state. 22 members of Japan's Nuclear Safety Commission had been the recipients of generous donations from the very sector they were meant to monitor, totaling upwards of $1 million over five years. This incestuous relationship was further fueled by the practice of amakudari, where retiring bureaucrats from regulatory committees anticipate lucrative second careers within the nuclear industry. With their future prospects tied to the industry's goodwill, these regulators have little impetus to impose stringent oversight a dynamic leading to a lax safety culture. The story of Kei Sugaoka, a nuclear inspector at Tokyo Electric Power Company, TEPCO, epitomizes the perils of this system. After uncovering a crack in one of the Fukushima reactors, he was pressured by TEPCO to hide the finding. Defying this directive, Sugaoka informed the government regulators, who astonishingly delegated the resolution back to TEPCO the very entity responsible for the transgression. Sugaoka's whistleblowing was rewarded with dismissal. Beyond individual cases of negligence, there was a broader pattern of downplaying the inherent risks of nuclear power. Memories of Chernobyl's horrors were still fresh in the minds of global citizens, yet Japan's government and media fed the public a narrative of Soviet incompetence. Insisting such a disaster was inconceivable, with Japan's superior technology and training. This reassurance was far from the truth, as unveiled by a New York Times report in 2011. Over the years, multiple lawsuits challenging the safety measures of nuclear reactors were lodged against the Japanese government. All were dismissed, yet each echoed a common refrain. Operators consistently minimized significant risks. According to seismologist Katsuhiko Ishibashi, the writing was on the wall. 
If Japan had heed the issues spotlighted by these legal battles, the tragic narrative of Fukushima could have been rewritten. But as the tragedy laid bare, the cost of complacency was a lesson written in the harshest of terms. Part 5. The Ripple Effect. Fukushima's Economic and Social Aftermath. The Fukushima Daiichi nuclear disaster's echoes reverberated far beyond the initial shockwaves, sending ripples that upended Japan's economy and the faith of its people in nuclear power. The catastrophe's long shadow extended across industries and ignited a widespread public backlash. Only a fortnight following the meltdown, Tokyo Electric Power Company, TEPCO, found itself in dire financial straits, reaching out to banks with a plea for a staggering $25 billion loan to address the immediate damages. By the time April's cherry blossoms bloomed, government estimates grimly forecast that the disaster would carve a $317 billion chasm into the nation's economy through an exhaustive cleanup and reconstruction process. The tremors of the disaster shook the very foundations of Japan's food and agriculture sectors. Reports emerged of milk from the region bearing traces of radioactive iodine, 131, rendering it unfit for consumption. The revelations about the milk were a presage of greater environmental contamination fears, particularly for the Fukushima prefecture, where the fishing industry served as a lifeblood for communities. With news of radioactive leakage into the ocean, a pall was cast over the waters, threatening a sector that is only now, years later, beginning to see signs of revival. The turmoil and risk precipitated by the Fukushima incident galvanized civil action, prompting the largest demonstrations Japan had witnessed in recent memory. Yoshihiko Noda's ascent to the premiership came with the belief that he could reconcile the populace's fears with the continued use of nuclear energy. His optimism met reality as a tide of protesters flooded the streets of Tokyo, their voices united in demanding the immediate and permanent closure of the nation's nuclear reactors. Their outcry, however, seemed to dissipate against the walls of governance. Defying public sentiment, Noda's administration made a decisive yet controversial call to revive operation at the Ojai nuclear power plants reactors 3 and 4. These reactors, located a mere 60 miles from Osaka, Japan's third largest city, resumed activity amidst an atmosphere charged with apprehension. The Fukushima disaster thus unraveled into a tale not only of catastrophe, but also of economic upheaval, societal disillusionment, and a citizenry profoundly shaken in their trust towards nuclear power and the decisions of those in power. Part 6. The Uncertain Safety of Nuclear Power in the United States The shadow of Fukushima loomed large across the globe, and in the United States it raised a specter of doubt and worry. Could such a calamity strike on American soil? While the geographical and environmental contexts differ, the possibility of nuclear disaster is not confined by national borders. Americans sought reassurance from the powers that be, wanting to believe in the infallibility of their own nuclear safeguards. A testament to this concern came in March 2012, when the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, NRC, faced inquiries about the likelihood of a Fukushima-esque disaster in America. The commissioners unanimously downplayed the risk, 
citing differing circumstances as a buffer against such an event. Yet, such assurances may not be as solid as presented. Take, for example, the American reactors nestled downstream from sizable dams. Should an earthquake or a deliberate act of sabotage rupture one of these dams, the resulting flood could mirror the tsunami that ravaged Fukushima. Alarmingly, the NRC has acknowledged the underestimation of this risk for years without taking substantial corrective action. This inertia might stem from the NRC's decision-making process, which is tainted by reluctance and ambiguity. The Commission shies away from decisions that might cast doubt on its past assertions. Acknowledging a need for stricter safety measures, for instance, could inadvertently stigmatize older plants as hazardous, seeding public mistrust. The evolution of the NRC's language around safety illuminates this hesitance. What began as a commitment to provide adequate protection of public health and safety has diluted over time to reasonable assurance of adequate safety. This shift subtly sheds the burden of absolute responsibility, leaving a vague adequacy undefined and unmeasured. As we grapple with nuclear energy's potential and peril, it's evident that risks are an inextricable part of the equation. The lessons of Fukushima implore not just the United States, but every nuclear-capable nation to confront these hazards head-on, striving for transparency, accountability, and above all, a commitment to minimize risks wherever possible. Final summary. At its core, the catastrophe that unfolded in Fukushima was a stark reminder of the volatile interplay between nature's might and human fallibility. While the seismic forces that triggered the cataclysm were beyond human control, the disaster's escalation into a nuclear nightmare pointed to a series of human errors and systemic failures that could have been mitigated. The calamity at Fukushima laid bare a nexus of corruption and complacency. Regulatory oversights, industry government collusion, and a reluctance to acknowledge and act upon known risks were threads woven throughout the tragedy. As the dust settled, the chilling realization dawned that despite the enormity of the event, its lessons have scarcely rippled through the corridors of power in Japan, and similarly have been met with a disconcerting indifference in the United States. Today, even as the echoes of Fukushima linger, nuclear reactors continue to operate under the shadow of potential disaster. The bleak lesson that emerges is this. The true disaster lies not in the unforeseen forces of nature, but in the failure to learn from our past, to reform corrupt systems, and to prioritize safety and transparency over convenience and profit. Without a shift in this paradigm, the risk of another meltdown remains a potent and unsettling possibility. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to follow our podcast, give us a five-star rating, and share 20-minute books with other knowledge seekers. Your support truly means a lot. Don't forget to join me again in the next episode, where we will delve into another enriching book. Until then. Happy reading and happy listening.